Genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one incredible tease of a minute end at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us again today is Zach Luna. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me back, guys. Yeah, of course. Of course. So today we're talking about Minute 102, which starts with more of the spooky wind from yesterday. Yeah. And a and a quick cutaway to a ghostly face, and then ends with Aragorn just finishing putting his hand around the hilt of this sword. Oh, we're just, we're so close. <laughs> just, it's, uh, uh, it's we're right there. Uh, yeah. I mean, we get to see the the handle at least. That's cool. Yes. Scabbard. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll we'll get there. We'll see we'll see the rest in a bit. But we we get to see. You see all the, all the outer decoration. All right, before we uh, before we dive headfirst into sword talk, okay, um, <laughs> which I know Zach is fond of. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about these creepy creepy ghosts. Creepy ghosts. Yeah. Um, these murderers. Yes. The traitors. <laughs> yeah, we get the we get the payoff of that thing we talked about yesterday with the how there's always stuff moving in the frame with like the slight wind on the. Uh, these tapestry things that are making the tent and the flames and whatnot that mm-hmm. like we get a lot of movement on today's minute it goes woo, spooky mm-hmm. the spooky wind is in gust mode it's great someone kicked that fan in the studio onto high real quick <laughs> and just turn it back down yeah it's like first you see it only on like aragorn's hair like a like a l'oreal commercial or something mm-hmm. and then we cut out to that maybe wide he's born shot. with it <laughs> maybe it's spooky ghosts and they, <laughs> that like wide shot of the tent when it, the wind dies down and everything comes back into place. I love it so much. It's so, it's like old school Peter Jackson, like uh, creepy ghosts and spooky things, uh, shenanigans, like slightly Sam Raimi-ish. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Right. And the the way that that tent flap settles down, I I guarantee you there was someone up outside of frame oh, holding, holding the corner it? Yeah. to drop it. <laughs> and then like running off. Yep. <laughs> or like on a scaffold outside of the frame, just holding the corner of the tent and then letting it go. Yeah. And they, it took them like 15 minutes to place the scaffold so that the shadows wouldn't like land on the outside of the tent so that you can mm-hmm. see it and all the light sources where they should be. And it's going to be worth it, guys. It's going to be worth it. And then, you know what? It was. Once you catch that that little thing falling perfectly into place on film it's there forever so right yeah you know there are so many banners inside this tent <laughs> but why are they like the different um are there like different clans of, of they must be different region like, like regional banners yeah yeah because he sends you know he sends like five guys out to like the different corners of the the, the Rittermark, and he's just like you know muster some men from me right, and people yeah. come back and he, they say where they're from yeah, and how many men yeah, came yeah. with them and stuff yeah so this is probably banners of the the places that have returned with men. So yeah, I like the idea of of the representatives like pledging their allegiance or whatever by like yeah. presenting their banner to the king, and the oh, king yeah. just has them all up in his tent. That's why they're called bannermen, right? Ooh, ooh, yeah, no, yeah. I like that. <laughs> nice, That's fabulous, and it just 
Also, it just looks cool, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's very... It's just more very, stuff to move in the spooky wind. Yeah, yes. and it's kingly, and it's got this, like, cool embroidery on the edges, yeah. and it's like, There's, like, wow. a quilt that we can see in the left of the shot, and then <sighs> in the background above the, the chairs and the fireplace and stuff, there's just other banners mm-hmm. and tapestries. And there's, yeah. like, you know, like, fur pelts and stuff all over the floor. There's, like, so much texture happening. Oh, yeah. All kinds yeah. of different textures. Yeah, and this like what it almost looks like a sprig of like wheat in the foreground when the wind <laughs> dies down. Shot. Oh yeah, a little, yeah. little gladiator homage, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's a thing. I was thinking about this a lot with today's minute that uh, we spoke of of yesterday's the idea of like the magic of filmmaking when everything like comes together and becomes more than the sum of its parts. Like there was somebody working like hundreds of hours on sewing these little banners that would only be seen for this one shot. And somebody else like crafted the like candlesticks and they had all these who sourced all those fur pelts and figured out how they'd be laid out on the ground. And the, the guy we joked about existing, who's dropping the flap into place and like all of these people doing all these things that only amount to a tiny little bit of a fraction of a second on screen, but that make it feel more real. Like, right. I know How many people's fingerprints are in this minute of a movie? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, I I know. I mean, we are who we are. We pick apart the filmmaking choices and how everything was made and whatnot. But when the actual footage is running, it doesn't seem like props and costumes and uh, actors who have a trailer just, you know, a little ways away from here. It feels like Middle Earth. Like it feels mm-hmm. real. And that's that's crazy that that works. It's It's magic. Yeah, this is this is such an astonishingly real feeling trilogy, despite all of the stuff that happens. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, they they talk about in this little tense scene in the commentary. I think it's I think it's Chris Henna that mm-hmm. mentions that pretty everything in this tent is handmade. Every yeah. prop in this tent was a handmade prop. That's <sighs> so cool. <sighs> worth it, you know? We're absolutely worth it. Like uh, or yesterday when we saw the the close up on Aragorn's uh, shirt to to show the Evenstar uh, necklace, that you could see the hand stitching on the corners of the thing. That like they didn't use a sewing machine to make these clothes because it wouldn't have looked right. Even though that's the only frame in the film where you see a edge of one of his uh, undershirts because he's always wearing other stuff. But it was worth it for that one frame, mm-hmm. and yeah. for the fact that when he put it on. Uh, to get ready every day it felt real all of it feels real i I, this is why i love these movies this is why these movies specifically got me so into interested in filmmaking in the first place because it's they built the whole world Mm -hmm. i just love it i I think how we reacted off mike watching this minute like perfectly encapsulates these movies though because i was like Every I don't know. Every time Elrond steps forward with the sword and he um he does his, his little spiel, reveal, yeah, I I just want to like throw my hand in the air because it's so good. Totally. Enderil, Enderil, oh. flame of the west, yeah, reforged from the shards of Narsil. <laughs> it's so good, and that like I mean you could imagine like those words on a page and like I don't know an actor at an audition like looking at that and being like. Look at all this gibberish, I gotta say. You know, like, yeah. this is a little later on, word. Yeah, a little later on in the commentary, Orlando Bloom is talking about dialogue, and he's just, uh-huh. he, he mentions that uh, Fran, Philippa, and Peter uh, sometimes took descriptions and turned them into dialogue out of the book. Ooh, ooh, that's cool. That's smart, because it's just all, 
everybody got what film they were making, especially mm-hmm. by this point. You know, they're 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 well deep into it, and um, it's no longer just like a made up word that doesn't mean anything. It's like he he lifts this thing up and says, "Flame of the West, forged from the shards of Narsil," and that not only means something to the characters, but it means something to these actors who, the last time. Vigo saw this object it was that like broken heirloom in the fellowship when mm-hmm. uh, he had that interaction with Boromir like that yeah. is literally a memory he has of a day of his life that I don't know I'm thinking of it in terms of us like literally a couple a few years ago we were watching them deal with that broken hilt and the shards and the you know Arwen coming in and talking to him about his legacy and all that and that's like a memory I have of us recording mm-hmm. podcasts <laughs> And I'm thinking, now I'm emotional about that as well as emotional about the scene <laughs> when this happens, you know? Like, it's movies. Come on. It's, ah. Uh, I mean, that's the magic it. of cinema, right? That's what mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to do. Uh, really, that's what all media is supposed to do. But yeah, just uh, movies are kind of special in the way that they really are. Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not the same as, like, comic books or reading. Mm-hmm. Like, the the visual and auditory component to it really can elevate some stuff to the point where it creates what feel like real memories of your own life from movies you've seen. And that's just awesome. It is. And I think part of it too is like the ritual. I mean, it's maybe less widespread nowadays. Uh, I think it would still work with a film of this size, but like the ritual of leaving my home space and going to a movie theater, I go to this physical place and the and the story is bigger than life on this giant screen in a dark room that there mm-hmm. is a ritual associated with going to the place for the visual storytelling and it just like washes over you and there's no other distractions and i was just i was in middle earth like in my formative years and my adolescence these movies were such a gift because on this like yearly schedule during the holidays i could go escape physically and mentally to this other world and then like walk back out the door and I'm back in Colorado or whatever. But like for those moments, this was, it was it's like that thing J.K. Rowling said about like, well, we all went to Hogwarts together. You know, we did mm-hmm. it just happened in your head. But why does that mean it's not real? And it's like this, this was, this was everything. I mean, like you guys know I'm big on the swords, right? And uh, <laughs> of the sword, I mean, I, I think I get emotional. <sighs> I get emotional with the the scene where Theoden holds his sword for the first time after Saruman's, you know, forces uh, broken. Mm-hmm. I get I get emotional oh. when uh, the drawing Aragorn... of that sword is such a beautiful shot. Oh God, it's and the sounds and the music, all of it coming together, and I get emotional when Aragorn uh, does the little salute with his sword at the end of the Fellowship at Amon Hen, right before mm-hmm. the big fight with all the Orakai happens. The, the where the the symbolic power of the object is at its height. I think that's my favorite small Aragorn moment. Yeah, man. Just in the whole trilogy. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs) He sends Frodo away. He sends Frodo away and he's like, no, I got to take care of this myself. I got this. I got this. I got it. It's that, so it's good. so it's so pulp action movie movie and well, yeah, like, it's Peter Jackson and like <laughs> yeah, and west dude. and like western and it's just it's just such this this little distillation of so many different genres of just uh-huh. movies with badass dudes and it's yeah. just this one little moment. It's like all right, it's character through gesture. He's like all right, let's. He's like bring it. It's so good. And so like there's those two, and then I think the third is this. The like the 
the peak of the sword is a symbolic object in these films are those three moments and like not that we get the full payoff in this minute but the the reveal is spectacular and, and oh, it's like yeah. there's all these moments of like misdirection too and how it works there's the uh, <laughs> like the score doesn't ramp up to that moment the score is like going in a different emotional direction and then surprises you when it comes out and you have the gondor like theme blaring and it's yeah. slightly over cranked the footage it's a tiny bit in slow motion when he flips it up just so it looks a little more i don't know otherworldly and cool and it's got this cool scabbard on it i just love it <laughs> and there's all this there's all the this elven writing on the belt yeah there's like runes on it <sighs> God, it's so cool. It is. The Yugo Weaving made me laugh in the cast commentary when I was listening to this because I'm I'm listening relatively closely. I'm taking notes and stuff of the commentaries. Mm. And Yugo Weaving talks real brief, briefly about his elven sword. He's like, this is a very different blade than my elven sword. You know, this is more masculine, phallic, oh. <laughs> enormous. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just, in Yugo Weaving's voice, it just, oh. That's hilarious. What a gift. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Enormous. Just... <laughs> it is what it is. It's hard to get away from that aspect. Um, yeah, it's yeah. funny, too, that, like, this almost becomes a running um, theme in the behind-the-scenes stuff at this point, was that they, uh, I mean, uh, John Howe did the initial designs for this sword, I'm pretty sure, and then reworked them, and uh, they, they built this one. But it's it's bigger than the other sword Aragorn, Aragorn had before. Yeah, it's and like it's eight like, inches longer or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's a really it's a really big object because it's supposed to be super imposing and uh, you know visually very distinct with those um, sort of a fishtail pommel that has those elements r- repeated throughout the like quillons on the um, yeah in the, the garden on the scabbard and whatnot. But uh, but it is just physically bigger. It has to be like there's more of it in the shot and that like. It only every for once in a while if you sort of stop and just look at it, it does seem almost too big. But they they you know handle it, and it's just moments like this where it's like, how how on earth did Elrond hide that? <laughs> right, Elven magic. That's how. <laughs> yeah, he's got <laughs> he's got like a bag of holding or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> just a little Pathfinder pouch, just chilling. It's um, huge. Look at it. Ah. Yeah, in the in the commentary across this moment as the sword is being revealed uh in the design commentary john howe uh talks about designing the sword and how uh, initially he was going off in a different kind of more really really old style kind of Mm -hmm. celtic sword design that was supposed to look a lot more uh high fantasy but ultimately he didn't feel like it was working and this final sword design is actually based on a real sword that a friend of his owned Nice. Uh, which is a a uh, German hand and a half sword, yeah. and so it looks super traditional for Central Europe. Yeah, this is a, a very sort of late medieval. Uh, long, I mean, when we have terms like long sword or hand and half sword or bastard sword and stuff, those are like after the fact, like uh, terms that have been applied. Yeah, to this, what so we like, call them in the modern day, because they right, right. they had different kinds of names. Yeah, yeah, and for the most part, it would just be. The, the type of sword you need when you're that type of person in fashion and whatnot. So, like, so you can sometimes run into people that get a little too uh, angry or intense about, like, what counts as a hand and a half sword, what counts as a long sword, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, at the end of the day, the late medieval uh, German and Italian big swords, uh, 
that's what this is uh, based off of basically. And yeah. that, um, that, that fishtail pommel is very much in line with like a, um, Austrian or German, um, longsword, but there is still that fantasy flair to it that like they added that it's uh, hollow in the center that there's that like little window, like an archway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and it's got looks... the matching fishtails on the cross guard. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's fantasy flair in there, but it, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a big old war sword. It's not like in the books. I think we talked about this back, way back in the fellowship. It's not like in the books where it's described as like a single handed sword and you carry a shield in the other hand. This is a, an object that has to both be your defense and your attack mm-hmm. that you have two hands on that one object and that's all you're really dealing with. And that, you know, it was more for uh, armored combat where you face uh, plate armor or like the smaller versions of them were for uh, like judicial combat. Uh, like, a, you know, like a trial by combat, like they talk about in uh, uh, Game of Thrones and whatnot. Uh-huh. That it is, a, it is a sword that was like the last, the last version of a sword where it was the most important weapon you held. Because they're almost always a secondary weapon, the swords. But if you were, uh, you know, a knight with a long sword like this it was your primary weapon when you were facing down an opponent if you no longer had like uh, pole arms or something or if you were in a trial by combat scenario you would have no other object to rely on but this one thing so all of your all of the energy of the warrior like intent and defense and uh, attack and everything that represents who you are as a soldier is locked up in this weapon i think that's why it's a great shape for the yeah the sword with a capital th the mm. sword i mean this sword is so big it's practically a claymore <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> it's like it's so it's it's just so long and there's a shot next week where they're walking up to the entrance of the path of the dead where you see the full blade in mm-hmm. the shot mm-hmm. and aragorn is in the middle of the frame and is roughly half the height of the frame and <laughs> yeah. the sword is almost a third of the length of the frame <laughs> it's, just, it's just they went just up to the line of making it too big but it Vigo could not wear it in the scabbard right yeah it's you so can't, long it drags it's so long it drags and you can't um you can't uh, draw it put it back yeah can't draw it and put it back in the scabbard from there so it's <laughs> maybe from a practical standpoint a little too long a little too big but it's it's at least within the realm of believability you know this would have been like if this got a little bit bigger, it would be more along the lines of like a um, like a Zweihander that like a, a German mercenary would carry. Uh, that was like um, like the Braveheart swords. Uh, yeah, that would be a. Uh, you never had it in a scabbard. You just carry it on your shoulder. It's impossible otherwise. Um, like <laughs> right. that's more of a pole arm than a sword. But <laughs> so it's still within it's within the realm of of you know weapons of history that could have been. It's not like a it's not like the Conan the Barbarian sword or something. Where it looks so massive, yeah. so massive and chunky, and it probably weighed like ten pounds. It's not quite that. Or like the what's it called the the Buster Sword from Final Fantasy oh, yeah. VII. It's not stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not that. It still manages to be. You know, it feels usable and it seems yeah. you know well balanced and light and whatnot. But for just physical presence on screen, it is probably it was probably the right call on their part to go with the the flashier, bigger. The it's bigger in the frame, and you look at it more, and it's like, whoa, yeah, that's a sword. Oh. It's really pretty. <laughs> you know, and you bring up trial by combat, and whenever someone says trial by combat, the thing in a movie that my mind always jumps to is the climax of Rob Roy with oh, yeah. uh, Liam Neeson oh. and Tim Roth. <laughs> One of the best sword fights on screen. Period. It's so um, good. It's so good. If people haven't seen that and like sword fights in movies, go watch Rob Roy. 
Yeah, which would was like um, uh, you you could probably like most of it. What leads yeah. there, you probably wouldn't like. Oh, yeah, okay. there's some oof, uh, like some stuff in the story that is causing them to fight that is um a little um maybe not the most fun. Yeah, in terms of like, uh, but the it's an old it movie is... and based on an even older folktale. Right, right, right. Um, but it's cool to watch them fight. Yeah, that was um. Oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. So uh, it's uh, Liam Neeson and Tim Roth. But Liam Neeson and Tim Roth are the actors in it. But Bill Hobbs was the um, the fight choreographer for that one. Yeah. And like he and Bob Anderson, who did these movies, were like the two big uh, um, sword choreographers for like thirty some odd years. So like, if you think of a really distinctive sword fight from a movie, ninety nine percent of the time it was one of those two dudes, and they had like slightly different approaches. But they were they were friends, and they they helped each other out and whatnot. But like the Rob Roy fight is really focused on like uh trying to make it seem realistic that's not to say the moves are realistic because it's you're you're telling a story you have to like uh telegraph emotion and intent and and intent and storytelling between the moves on screen which is like you need the audience to follow what you're doing but if you're in a real sword fight you wouldn't want the other person to know what you were doing so there's that thing there but by and large the rob roy fight is like there's no music underneath it. It is just two dudes fighting for like six minutes, maybe. And it's oh all God. of the emotional back and forth. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And it's Liam Neeson's character. Rob Roy is using like a, like a claymore, like a, a two handed yeah. sword. Like a big ass anime and sword. Tim Roth is a noble and has like a rapier. Huh? Yeah. It's a little whippy sword. And it is, it's, it's so good. I don't want to like spoil like how the, the dynamics of the, of the fight change, but if you just like want to watch a really cool sword fight, that's great. He also yeah. did, um, uh, uh, Bill Hobbs did the, one of the Three Musketeers movies and he did uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, which I think has fabulous sword fights mm. with like baby Henry Cavill in there. And he did, uh, a lot of the stuff for Game of, some of the stuff for Game of Thrones when they were figuring out what Cyril Pharrell would do and how he would teach Arya and whatnot. That's all Bill Hobbs. That's awesome. And those were the last things he did. So then Bob Anderson is Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Princess Bride and whatnot. So it's like, if you go for big fantasy, Bob Anderson's got you. If you're trying to be a little more gritty realistic, Bill Hobbs is there for you. Mm. And um, sorry, long digression about sword fighting, but fun stuff. And so this is more in the feeling of like the big, imposing, scary weapon and not the like little swishy one. This is, it's like his big boy shoes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You this, gotta step it up, man. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, him grabbing hold of this blade is symbolic of him finally taking his destiny yeah, into his, his own legacy, hands. Yeah. And just yeah. he has a physical object associated with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is basic. I mean, we'll get uh, this is lo- King Arthur lot. moment, right? This is yeah, this is yeah, Excalibur. Yeah. yeah. And it's I don't know, maybe better than Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> I find this. I mean, not every version of Excalibur. I just think this is like one of the coolest swords on screen, one of like the coolest moments associated with the symbol, uh, the, the symbolism associated with swords on, in a movie, and one of the like the coolest coronation scenes that's not an actual coronation. This is pulling it from the stone or whatever, and mm-hmm. um, I just I just get goosebumps when I think about it. It's so cool. Look at him. Look at the way this... he's. Ah, so cool. (laughs) In a way, I really think this is a coronation scene because this is Elrond finally calling Aragorn king. True. Yeah. He calls him the king of Gondor here. And was it not, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I I think in the the books there was an aspect of he wasn't ever going to approve of Arwen's relationship with Aragorn until Aragorn became the king and like took on that mantle. Actually sat the throne and and was the king of Gondor. 
Because yeah. Aragorn in the books is just, well, I'm going to go be king. This, I am king. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you have to like actually grow up, basically. And <laughs> yeah. And this is this is all of that together. Not that all of that's laid out for us. Not that the the movie over explains things. But you know that these guys know all of the meaning behind this moment and the sword and their relationship and all of that. And it right the sword it's of that Alenda. magic thing. Yeah, Sauron yeah. will not have forgotten this blade. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, what is what did Eric, what did Boromir say the uh, the blade that cut the ring from Sauron's hand like this <laughs> is ah uh, we're like in this, it now. This sword is the sword that you can see Aragorn wielding while you know silver trumpets are playing. Like this is the thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all of it coming together. Yeah. Wow. This this moment is the moment Boromir was wanted to live for in his moment of death. <gasps> How dare you! It's true, though. <laughs> I know it but is, I mean, but I was like... Yeah. <laughs> I would have called you king. Like, this is the moment Boromir wanted to see. Aww. Yeah. This is the moment he saw in his last moments. That's, yeah. Uh, that's rude. When he, when he reached out for his sword, you know, before he before he finally died and he had to hold it close. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What, what a set of movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love tying character moments back to big sad things well, that yeah, happened no, earlier in the movie. <laughs> Don't we all? Stop making me yeah. feel emotions. Like, like a couple of weeks ago where I was just like, oh, this procession of soldiers out of Minas Tirith. Maybe they're coming from Boromir's, from Boromir's funeral. funeral. I'm like, why are you? Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Why are you doing this to me again? Oh, my, my feelings. <laughs> right? Ow. That's why all the people are in the streets. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Whew. It's... I mean, we're, I don't know how much more of the movie is left at this point because you guys are doing extendeds, right? So this is like. There's like there's... 140 minutes left. Right, right, right. So it's not like we're in the, uh, it's not like we're in the end of this movie at this point, but we're in the end game in terms of the overall structure of the story right. at this point. Yeah. And, the, and the... you can really feel the weight of that narratively here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <sighs> definitely. But yeah, I think I think that's for t- I think that's good today. For today? Yeah, that's we're gonna good. we're gonna talk more tomorrow about swords and stuff. So my favorite, right? <laughs> I'm just gonna let Zach talk for forty five minutes again no, about swords. No. <laughs> I've learned how to podcast better since then. <laughs> no, that's great. It was, it was an incredibly easy episode to edit and great to listen to. Uh, but we're we're all from the website duelinggenre.com, and on the website you can find some non movies by minutes podcasts. Like Doctor's Companion, which Cassandra also hosts. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, the Protagonist podcast. You can go check out Geek by Night, in which Zach features heavily as a voice. Mm-hmm. Hey, so go check out some other non-movies by minute shows on the site. Give them your love too. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute One Hundred and Three. Hope everyone has a great Tuesday. Bye. Bye.